0: I love that sound. It's like, it's like uh, when your family's over or a big gathering of people and it's just the buzz before the meal. I just, I love that. It's like family. Welcome online viewers. Good to see you as well. But man, I love that. I just love that sound. Just, I feel like I'm in my living room, hanging out with family, friends, just chilling on a Sunday. Beautiful Sunday. Get out and hope you get to enjoy it. Because so, tomorrow, a little bit of rain, but that's okay. It's all good. I'm Jeff, one of the pastors here, and I am privileged to share the message with you today. I'm so pumped to to be able to do this and and just thrilled to to be up here. This summer, we are going through a series, uh, going through kind of, it's our Bible plan, the Bible reading plan you can find on the app uh, and the the website as well, and we also call that the lectionary. So if you want to give it another title. But today's message, we're going to take a look at uh, one of the passages for today. There's four different passages usually in the lectionary. uh, And one of the passages we're going to look at today is found in Galatians 6. Or Galatians, Galatians 6. Uh, And we're going to talk about that today a little bit. So however you find it, apps, websites, books, screens behind me. Great. That's awesome. But before we read it, I want to give us a little bit of history because Galatia, uh, this is the church in Galatia, and it's kind of a younger church, Uh, and they're trying to seek out what who's Jesus like who what does he mean to all of us what does this mean for us and how we live and and what we do because Paul's hearing some things that he shouldn't be hearing about the church and the church might be going a certain way and they're like how do we do this they're asking questions and so Paul is addressing them and what we call a book the book of Galatians is actually a letter written from Paul the apostle Paul to the church in Galatia and to the people so we're going we're gonna to read that, but before we read that, I need to tell you a little bit about Paul, the Apostle Paul. Now, he is a Jewish, uh, Jewish man. He's also a Roman citizen born in the city of Tarsus, in the, the Roman city of Tarsus. And he describes his Jewish heritage in Philippians chapter 3. He says this, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Then Acts chapter 9 happened. Now, if you don't know Acts chapter 9, Acts uh, chapter 9 is dealing with Paul and his persecution of the church, which is Christians. Uh, And what we see, I'm going to give you, I would encourage you to read that. But I'm going to give you a little uh, bullet point version of this. And it goes, it's like this. So Paul is on the road to Damascus and he is actually on his way to persecute more people. And put him in jail, hurt him, do anything he can to him. So he's on his way. And then while he's on his way, God stops him dead in his tracks and says, why are you persecuting me? Now that's a big deal. He didn't say, why am I persecuting? Why are you persecuting the Christians, the people who believe in Jesus? Why are you persecuting me? The reason why that's significant is because Paul Was a Pharisee. He was a religious leader. And being a religious leader, he knows who God is. He has studied God since he was just a wee little lad. And now God is saying, You are persecuting me. Because these are my people. So that's why that is significant. Because we kind of, I whenever I read it, I just kind of brush over that. But in studying for this, I'm like, holy cow, that is a big deal. Because Paul was a Pharisee and a a religious leader. So from that moment on, Paul embarked on this whole different path of life, following God and doing what God called him to do, something totally different. And actually, what we're going to do is pick up in Philippians 3, because we're going to hear his conclusion about his old life. He says this, I once thought these things were were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. So everything he's learned, think about all that you've learned in the past about who who God is, and now all of this has come to light and he's saying all of what I learned is now worthless because of what Christ did. All of it's worthless. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Again, interesting concept is that I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. The law requires him to do it himself. Jesus does not require that. We'll get to that in a minute. But from that moment on, from all of this, from this point on... Paul has been talking about and will talk about through the entire New Testament about inner transformation. He is so, he, he cares about people. He, care, he went from hurting people and persecuting people to now I care so much about them that I wanna, I wanna tell them about Jesus and he cares about the inner transformation of a person. And the way he sees transformation throughout Galatians and other books of the Bible that he's written is changing our perspective on other people and the cross. Now, when we have inner transformation, when that truly takes place, things on the outside are gonna happen as well. There will be an outside, outward transformation. What we do, how we talk, how we react to situations, how we act, how we serve, all those things. So that's a brief summary of Paul and who he is. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, come. Teach us today. Open up our hearts. Open up our minds. God, I just, Holy Spirit, I just feel like there's some barriers here, God, that you would just break down those barriers to hear you, to understand you just a little bit more. Break them down, God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's dive in. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 7 today. Paul says this in verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant, a.k.a. you reap what you sow. Uh, I heard a couple of chuckles out there. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, you've heard that statement said a few times. I found a a story on the internet because, you know, the internet is always true and always right. No, I'm kidding. It's not. Um, But I found this story, and it actually speaks to the heart of the idea of mocking God and reaping what you sow. There was uh, a farmer who had three sons, and he was getting up there in age and couldn't really take care of the farm all that well. So he decided to give his farm, divided up equally to the three boys. And the first son was so excited. He was very grateful about it. And, and he said, you know what? I am going to make, I am going to, I'm going to grow the best vegetables and herbs the world has ever seen. So every day, he got up at like 5.30 in the morning. He's up at the crack of dawn. He is tending. He's hoeing. He's doing all these different things to make his farm the best vegetable-producing farm out there. And he's, he, what he does for the first few years is he'll take the profits of the sales of those vegetables, and he'll reinvest it back into the, back into the farm. <coughs> Excuse me. And what he'll do by technology and and equipment and hire more hands. And pretty soon after a few years of that reinvestment, now it's starting to flourish as this amazing farm that is now producing some of the nation's top vegetables and herbs. And people are coming from all over to hear him and how he does it and how he makes it happen. And so this son, the first son... (coughs) the first son, went on to really live a fulfilled life. He was really happy and and really fulfilled in in everything that was going on. The second son, uh, he decided to do do something a little different. He he said, well, okay, I'm going to farm a little bit too, but I'm going to sell off part of the farm. So he sold off part of his farm. And then the other part, he kept to, to raise potatoes, all different kinds of potatoes to sell all over the country. Uh, And he did okay. I mean, he did just fine Uh, with the money that he got from the sale of the farm. He bought a house. He bought a car. He bought a boat, some toys, you know, lots of fishing equipment because that's what I would do. And he he did all these things. He bought all this stuff. And then he would reinvest a little bit back into the, the farm, not a ton, just enough to get by. And then he was able to take some for himself. And he lived a good life. I mean, he lived average, very, very average, very average life. Um, And then the third son, the third son said, I'm going to do something totally different. He sold off almost the entire farm, kept a little sliver for himself, hired somebody to manage that little sliver, which over the course of a few years actually rotted and became rant. It just couldn't grow anything anymore. It just became horrible because it was mismanaged and he never went and talked to the people that were managing it for him. He just kind of really didn't care took all the money that he got from the farm and he went out for a few years and he traveled the world, lived lavishly. Well, you know as well as I do, the money's gonna run out and it did. And he ended up poor, a poor guy, poor and destitute and miserable. Now, all three of these sons got exactly out of the land what they put into it. They reaped what they sowed. God being mocked is like the third son. And I found myself doing this at times as well, where you make it look like you're working really hard on the outside. You're living the life of somebody who has worked their tails off to make, get money so they can go and travel and do these things. Well, in actuality, that's not the case. See, here's the thing. God knows. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. God knows exactly what we're doing. It's what we think that we're trying to do is impress people. And say, you know what? And that's mocking God. That's mocking him and saying, hey, look at me. I can do these things. And God's like, "Uh, uh, uh-uh. I know what's going on here. I know what's happening. Let's listen to the next few verses here. Paul talks about verses 8 and 9. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Have you ever felt like, have you ever worked at a job where you felt like you just, you never see the results? Like you just feel like you're just doing and doing and doing and you just, Hope that you're making a difference. And then you're like, am I really? Maybe you volunteer somewhere and the same thing is happening. I remember I, being a youth pastor for so many years, I would say that in the church, youth ministry and children's ministry are some of the thank, most thankless jobs because we don't see, unless the kids stay in the church, we don't see the fruit of what's going on. We don't get to see that. So I'll thank Becca next time you see her because she's amazing. She is. Amazing. I love her. She's great. So being a youth pastor, I am like, I don't, I don't know if I'm ever going to see the... Am I, every once in a while, I would just get this thing inside that would just be like, am I really ever going to see anything? Am I, am I actually making a difference in the lives of these students? I have no clue. A few years ago, I was on Facebook, the best thing in the world. <laughs> Not. Okay, so... I would, but I was on Facebook and I found one of the students, one of my students from 15 years ago, he was on there and he had posted pictures of a missions trip he was on. I'm like, this is awesome. Michael, way to go. So then I messaged him and you know, chatted. He goes, Yeah, I'm a youth pastor. And I just went, What? Mind blown. Are you serious? Yeah, the stuff that we did way back in, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And then 10 years ago, I had a group of guys that uh, I, was, I was just leading a, a life group among, in, our, in our youth ministry. And these guys, one is a missionary. One is, uh, he's actually the worship pastor at Substance Church. I mean, it is, and one of them owns his own business, and they are utilizing the gifts that we allowed them to use in youth ministry. I'm like, w- are you serious? So whenever I felt that, like, it was like, okay, is this, I, I'm just, I, I don't know if this is right for me. I don't know if this is what I should be doing. God was always saying, yes, don't give up. Yes, please keep doing what you're doing. And I think that, you know, in writing this, whenever I write a message, I try to say, okay, God, speak to the people. This isn't about me. And I, in writing this, I believe that maybe some of you are tired. Some of you are very tired. You've been doing, doing, serving, not just here at River Heights, anywhere, but you're just, you're doing, and you're not getting any recognition for it. No thank yous, and not that you're out to look for recognition, but just a thank you every once in a while would be great, or hey, you're doing a good job. And I think somebody, there's a few people in here that that's not happening, and I, You're here for a reason today. If nothing else, you're here to hear this from God. Well done. You're doing great. Good job. I think God wants to give you that message today. If you hear nothing else, please hear that. Because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Don't do it for your own gain either. Do it for the people. Do it for the person you're serving, the people you're serving. Do it for them. Paul continues in verse 10. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, this is referring back to verses 1 through 3. Paul says, he starts the letter out this way. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Now, verse 3 is harsh. But it's so true. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. And this is the harsh part. You are not that important. Yeah, I chuckled at that too. But then I'm like, ooh, that could sting a bit. That could tickle. Here's the thing. Paul is strongly encouraging us to take our eyes off of ourselves and put it on other people. Put your eyes on other people. Put them first. And when this happens, it's a sign that inner transformation is taking place in a major way. Let's look at the remaining verses here. Paul, in verse 11, says, Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. I find this amusing because you don't find this anywhere else. It's like, okay, what's this about? But if you, they had scribes and tra- they transcribe, you know, what they're saying, the events that they're doing and uh, healings taking place and all this stuff. I can just imagine Paul ripping the pen out of that person's hand saying, give me that pen. I want, I need to write down exactly what's going on up here in my head. <clears throat> I just imagine him doing that. And then he says this, he writes this in verse 12, because he thinks this is so important, which it is. It's very important. He's like i 've got to get this right because those who are trying to force you to be circumcised want to look good to others they don 't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save and even those who advocate circumcisions don 't keep the law of them they don 't they don't keep the law themselves. they only want you to be circumcised so they can boast about it and claim you as their disciples here 's the thing: Pharisees and religious leaders at that time. They wanted to just say, we've got all these numbers. We've got all these numbers now. We're, we have so many converts to Judaism. <clears throat> and circumcision was that, that uh, mile marker to say, you're now a Jew. And they just inflated. They didn't care. And that's, this is what concerned Paul is that he noticed that they didn't care about the people. They only cared about themselves. He didn't care if they hurt the people. He only cared about then they, they only cared about, oh my gosh, you're now this. Well, what does that mean to be a Jew? How do I follow you? What am I supposed to do? And Paul noticed that. And he saw that they didn't care. And what's interesting too is that the leaders also wanted to escape the persecution that was attached to the cross. Because the cross meant that the death of Jesus was the only solution for the sin of man. And they didn't believe that. The Pharisees did not believe that. So this was huge persecution for them. And here's what Paul has to say about that, because he is or was a former Pharisee and lawyer. He said this. See, now, if you, if you think Paul is just some wacko that's out there, Paul was a very learned man. He's a Roman citizen, went to school, went to co- I mean, he went, he was all out. He is a very learned man. He is very smart. But he said this in verse 14 As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. And may God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Throwing it right back in their faces, saying, look, it doesn't matter. Jesus said, you don't have to do all these things and jump through all these hoops like what what the Pharisees are making you do. But when you believe in Jesus, when you, when you receive Jesus and you say yes to Jesus, man, does transformation take place inside and out. And when the benefits, the potential outcomes of transformation, one is baptism. Because baptism, what that does is that's showing, oh, thank you. I appreciate you, Lisa. Lisa's great. Thank you, Lisa. Cool water. All right. But baptism is an outward showing that it's, it's confirming the transformation that's going on inside you. And so you're saying to everybody else, instead of standing on a street corner, pounding a Bible, and saying, believe in Jesus now. You're getting baptized and saying, I believe that Jesus is the Lord. That's what you're saying. And in fact, we have a baptism coming up in August. I'm not trying to gain more numbers. But if you feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to be baptized, I would encourage you, come talk to me. Talk to to Pastor Gay. Talk to any one of us. Sign up on your connection card. It would be great to have you be a part of that baptism because that's going to be amazing. When you go down in that water and you come back up, you're just refreshed and renewed. It's an amazing feeling when that happens. I would encourage you to do that. Another outcome, potential outcome of transformation is your speech. You're going to begin to notice that you address people maybe a little differently than you used to. Something that used to set you off, now you find yourself being calm, cool, and collected and you're like, wait a second, who are you and what have you done with Jeff? But that's what can happen when you have that transformation take place. Your actions, oh, wait, we got, oh, I skipped a verse. Holy, can't do that. Proverbs 15, four says, gentle words are a tree of life. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Before crushing the spirit, after your words can be a tree of life. That's the transformation that can happen. Do you want your words to hurt or do you want them to heal and grow? Actions are another potential outcome of Transformation. There are a couple schools of thought, a couple ways of thinking this, and these are negative. If I do for you, then I'm going to get something in return. Right? Tom, if I do this for you, then I expect something back. Got it? That's what's going to happen. Another one. I've done all these things for you, and you've done nothing for me. Isn't that a song? I've done everything for you. Sorry, if you're too young, that's an old song. But but it's so true though, right? That's people's thought processes. That's before transformation. We think that way. And then after transformation, it says in Galatians 5, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Before you're... It's to satisfy yourself. After is to serve each other in love and not demand anything in return or expect anything in return. Bottom line is this, guys. Throughout this entire passage of Galatians chapter six, Paul is talking about two things. He's talking about others and the cross. Those are major focuses here, are those two things. It kind of reminds me of uh, the Greatest Commandment. Jesus was confronted by the, the Pharisees, and they said, what's the greatest commandment? Like they're trying to trick him? And he goes, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is just like it. Love your, love your neighbor as yourself. The cross and others. It's the same focus. How many of you have cell phones? <laughs> Everybody's laughing like, duh. Now, when you charge your phones, how long does it typically take? A couple hours, maybe, maybe all day if you've like let it go to zero percent, right? Our minds are wired differently as well. Extroverts, got any in here? A couple? There's like four. Really, dude? I thought you like get up and run around the room a little bit. No, I'm kidding. But extroverts, it takes our minds minutes to a couple of hours to recharge. Introverts, a year? Just kidding, just kidding. It may take you a couple days to recharge, but here's what, here's what Galatians says. Galatians says that we, whenever we have the opportunity, do good for everyone. Whenever we have the opportunity. So even when we don't feel like it and somebody calls you. I, two weeks ago, I had a phone call. Hey, Jeff, can you help us move? Friday, July 3rd, or I did this last service, it's first, Friday, July 1st, yeah, no problem. Got a trailer, we were ready to go, then that morning, it was nice out, all my family was home, I'm like, oh, it's boat day, oh, no, it's not, I'm gonna go help somebody move today, hey. Got a phone call at noon. You don't need to help us move today. So here's the thing. I don't know. I'm just just spitballing a little bit here. But it's just awesome when you say yes without hesitation. And you say, I'm going to do this. And I have no nothing in return. What can happen? I mean, who actually loves to move? Nobody does. I mean, nobody. I love to help people. I got no problem with that. But I, it's just... The thing about it is, guys, when we have, when we, when we take up this opportunity to do good for everybody, I I pray that our eyes are always open to seeing the opportunities that God puts in front of us. And when you see it, act on it. Don't hesitate. Act on it. Joseph Addison, who is a playwright, he coined this phrase in 1713, and you might recognize it: he who hesitates is lost. Don't hesitate. If somebody needs your help, say, yeah, I'm there. The cross is another focus that Paul focuses on. The cross reminds us of a few things. One, that we're sinners. That we go against what God wants us to do. The cross reminds us of why Jesus died on the cross as well. And the cross reminds us that we cannot earn salvation. If we could earn salvation, there's no point for the cross. There's no need for it if we can earn it. Focusing on the cross helps us focus on Jesus. The stronger our relationship with Jesus is, the more we we don't want to do the things we used to do. We crave to do what God wants us to do. If I could have the worship team come up, I want you to look at Colossians three, three, ten, and eleven. Says, "Put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him." In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. Christ is all that matters. Tough question Is He all that matters to you? Or do you kind of shove him on a shelf when you go out with friends or hang out with people it's a tough question I've done it not going to lie I am not perfect and I'm ashamed to say that but I have done it but is he all that matters to us and if so or if that's the way we want to go what does that look like for you And when we practice focusing on other people and focusing on the cross, we are on our way to inner transformation, to a new creation. Paul says, behold, the old is gone, the new has come. Let me pray for us. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We just say thank you for your presence here. And God, maybe we have not had recognition Just a simple thank you for all the hard work we've done and maybe it's been decades. And I just feel like you just wanna say, well done. You're doing awesome. God, just come and speak to our hearts today. Holy Spirit, as we leave this place, God, may we just continue to search your heart and continue to search you and find you, and do and become what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand with me, if you're able, that's great. I got some a couple of tips for us here as we close out the day. First tip is to read Galatians 6. Read through the whole thing. Hear what it says. See if God speaks to you at any point during that, that passage. And maybe even jot it down if he is. Even if it's a, I don't know if that's God or not. Write it down anyway. See what happens. Pray. The second one is pray for your eyes to be open for opportunities to do good. Sometimes our own schedules get in the way. And what we do, we're so busy with life that we don't take the time to just see what's in front of us. So I just say, pray for your eyes to be open for opportunities to do good. And the last thing is to help at least two people this week. With nothing in return, no hesitation, just help a couple people. And even if that means helping on some of the teams here at church, we've got a lot of teams, different teams to focus on and be a part of. But just help a couple people. Get your eyes off yourselves. And get them on somebody else. If I could have the prayer team, anybody from the prayer team, come up, guys. I want to encourage you to pray. Pray with somebody this morning. If you receive Jesus this morning, that's the thing, man. If you receive Jesus this morning for the first time, you're like, I want to know more, or I want to, I want to, pray, I want to pray with somebody about this, or talk to somebody about this. Man, these guys are all up here. They're more than capable of doing that. You can meet me in the hallway. I'd be happy to share with you and talk with you. That would be amazing. Because this is a great time to be able to pray with someone, have them pray for you. Nobody's going to judge you here. We're family, guys. Like we did at the beginning, we all just kind of talk amongst ourselves. This is talking amongst ourselves, just a little more specific and a little more uh, quiet time together. So I would encourage you, if you need healing for anything, if you need prayer for something else that's going on in life, over the next song, during the next song, come on up and just receive prayer. They'll stay as long as you need to. All right, guys? Love you, man. This is such a privilege to be up here and share with you guys. So just enjoy the next song. Hear God during the next song. God bless.